Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Rethink Culture. I'm your host, Mila Jishun. Today I will be speaking with Sejal Tucker, who is my fabulous guest for today, and we'll be talking about social justice. So let me introduce her a, a little bit first before we can engage in a conversation. So Sejal is not your average employment law attorney, her more than 13 years of experience advising clients, human resources personnel, and legal counsel regarding stand, standard employment practices uncovered a need. A personal passion for bringing more proactive, relevant, and impactful workplace training programs to her clients and their teams. Her, her highly experiential customized workshops tailored to executives, managers, and individual contributors bring the courtroom to the training room in an interactive, engaging environment that favors human stories of a compliance checklist. She continues to provide legal counsel, including investigations regarding harassment, discrimination, bullying, retaliation, misconduct, and other topics with the same passion no matter the context, her passion for helping clients understand the value of more harmonious workplaces and the path to getting there is always front and center. Welcome to the show, Sejal. Thank you so much, Myla. Thanks a lot for having me here today. I'm excited. Now, I'm excited too. I'm excited to have you. <laughs> it's it's so fascinating, your introduction just like screams social justice. And that's the topic that we're touching on today, <laughs> social justice. Um, I'm really excited to, to, to like, deep dive into this. But before we start, I know we have viewers out there listening and viewing from different platforms, Facebook, um, YouTube, Twitter, wherever that you're joining in from, please say hello to us. Uh, please state your name, which state, which country, which part of the world that you're tuning in from, and just say hi in the comments. And and yeah, thank you for being here. And of course, please do not forget to to tune in and follow, subscribe on LinkedIn. Well, I've not gone live on LinkedIn. I'm still waiting for the for the approval. Uh, but please do follow on Twitter. YouTube and Facebook, so you can follow us on all those platforms for latest stories. But let's get into it, Sejal. <laughs> I was reading about you on your website and you've got a very, very interesting story, right? Uh, and something that you wrote on your story about bullying truly resonated with me. And you were bullied, you were discriminated at a very young age, as early as elementary school and I moved into high school. I want to hear your story, your experience and how it relates so well with our topic, social justice. Sure, well, you know, I mean, look, I have the pretty typical immigrant story, right? My, I, I, this is actually interesting. This is, this is something very interesting is I actually was conceived in India and born in Chicago. So I am completely as marginal as you can imagine. Um, but, you know, growing up, we were the only Indian family in an all Italian neighborhood in Chicago. Um, and so my parents had the accent. They owned convenience stores. Um, it just happened to be right across from the elementary school, which obviously wasn't really fun for me growing up. Um, but, you know, I mean, 
it was it was rough. You know, kids are so cruel to each other as it is. Being the only brown person in that town, I stood out. I didn't blend in. Um, and, you know, it was this constant narrative that I was I heard growing up was, you know, just kind of fit in so that you don't stand out. But then the color of your skin makes you stand out. And so I, you know, I, I dealt with a lot of bullying growing up um, and it, it really toughened me up into the person that I am today. But I also recognize that I think in these situations and I, I decided early on which side I was going to be on. Um, you know, was I going to be a victim and hate everybody that ever bullied me or treated me or said mean things to me? And yes, I got into fights. And yes, I was, you know, suspended from school for standing up for myself. And mm -hmm. I never took it. Um, I stood up for myself. But was I going to judge everybody and stereotype everybody because of these few people that were doing that to me? And I decided early on that I was not going to be on that side. I was going to be on the side of someone that advocates for social justice. Mm. That's been my underlying theme throughout my whole life and my career choice, uh, finding a space where I can speak for those people that are marginalized or may not have a voice. Um, and that was really one of the reasons why I stopped litigating cases as much um, because I always sided with the party that I felt was not being treated fairly or equally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I chose to do it in a workplace setting because that was an environment that I could make a difference in. Um, but, you know, I got torn as a litigator because let's say an employee filed a complaint of sexual harassment against a supervisor or a coworker, and there was actual sexual harassment or evidence to support that then I wanted to give or try to do what I could to help that person. But as an attorney, I'm supposed to be representing my client, which was usually the employer. I was a defense attorney. Mm -hmm. And so I would get this feeling of being torn. And that's where training sort of became my passion in educating people. Because a lot of times people have good intentions, but they just don't know what to do when they're in these situations. I love that you mentioned people have good intentions, but they do not know what to do in these situations, right? And of course, all intentions are not good intentions because it can manifest and unravel in multiple ways, right? Uh, but I love that you mentioned about that. And now, uh, you answered my next question. It's like, what got <laughs> you into becoming a lawyer? And, and you expressed you know, your passion and how it flowed really well. So let's talk, let's get right into it. Like for people to truly understand what we're going to be talking about today, about retaliation, about bullying and having a voice, right? Protecting those voices. Let's start with what is social justice? And, you know, to some people, a lot of people view it at all. Well, they brush it off as a topic pertaining to the legal system. Mm -hmm. And most do not even see it as being aligned with every facet of our society, work, home, groups of friends, schools, religious congregations. So let's, I want to hear your thoughts. What does social justice mean? Mm -hmm. it's, I love that question. Thank you. And what a great way to get started with our conversation. Um, you know, the way that I define it, and there's a lot of different definitions for it. I actually, you know, I taught a class on social justice at, at a JFK University, and that's where I really looked at a lot of different definitions. But I, I use the more simplified version of the definition. And for me, social justice means, you know, doing what I can, you know, to make sure that people have equal opportunity, that they're treated 
equally, that mm-hmm. they have access to resources. And, and, and I do that in a workplace setting, but you're right. This is something that we deal with everywhere. I mean, before I started my company, I worked at UCSF Medical Center here in San Francisco, and, and I was dealing with social justice in an, envir- in an educational setting, right? And so it definitely has different impacts depending mm-hmm. on which environment you're in, but it's the same no matter where you go. It's, there are certain biases that people have. And that's not a bad thing. It's just, if you have a brain, you've got a bias, period. (laughs) I remember one time I was training this class and and a a gentleman raised his hand and said, Sejal, well, I don't have any bias. And I go, well, do you have a brain? Because if you have a brain, sorry to break this to you, we all have biases. That's why I don't Mm -hmm. even use that word bias when I'm doing my training. Mm -hmm. I use the word unconscious belief. Because mm-hmm. then people sit with it better, you know. Mm-hmm. But really, it's it's we, we have these because it's it's the way that we've been brought up, our our education, our environment, our upbringing, our religions, our culture, everything. It's the lens through which we see the world, and that lens is going to be different for everybody because we are unique and we have different lived experiences. But when it becomes a problem, is that when you're not aware of these biases. And look, look at the media right now. I mean, we're seeing it everywhere. I mean, we could talk right. about current events and we'll be we'll be talking for the next 10 hours. But, you know, it, it's it's when you're not aware of it, that's when it becomes a problem because then you behave in ways that you're not aware of, right? So mm-hmm. if I have a bias against dark skin. If I see somebody with dark skin and let's say I don't know about that bias, I'm going to act towards that person differently because of that without even knowing it. These are Mm -hmm. called micro behaviors or aggressions, right? So I might give that person a dirty look or I might decide to stand up and go sit somewhere else or I might not include them in a in a project that I'm working on because of their color of their skin. But until I'm aware of that, I can't do anything to practice inclusive behaviors, right? And so that's where I, I I've been using my voice to bring my message forward to help those individuals or groups where they are marginalized mm-hmm. to do what I can to bring social justice in in the way that I can. I I absolutely love that, and you mentioned about you know without even realizing unconscious beliefs, mm-hmm. and that's such an important point that you brought up. Like how many times? have you know listeners out there how many times have you like touched onto your purse really really hard mm-hmm. right when you've seen a brown person or yeah. a black person how many times have you locked to your door when a homeless person stands at, at an intersection sure. how many times have we done so many things right like walked away from a person having a beer oh yeah I mean, it is, it's everywhere in everything we do. I mean, I can give you example, example, Mm -hmm. example. It doesn't mean you're a bad person. Right, right. What I try to tell people, it's people have this thing like there's shame or guilt or some negative opinion about it. And it's not, it's a matter of somewhere along the way, it got put into your hardwiring that it turns into these spontaneous, these automatic judgments that you make without even thinking about it, just because you see something. So on a very limited experience, I mean, this happened to me, right? Do you remember that incident that happened? I think it was like in the middle of, bless you, in the middle of last year sometime. Remember there was this incident, I think it might've been United or Delta where somebody was dragged off the plane. Right, yes, I was gonna talk about that, yes. Yeah, and the media got all over that issue. It was everywhere. And that was right around the time that I was actually traveling a lot for work. 
And I remember getting on the plane and I saw a very little, like two second interaction between a flight attendant and a passenger on the plane. And I automatically, like I felt it, I had negative feelings. I'm like, it must be that the airline hostess, it's, it's gotta be the flight attendant's problem. Like she's gotta be the mean one. She's gotta be the one at fault. And the, it happened spontaneously. I felt it like my physical like being started to change. And it was all because of everything I'd seen in the media. So I caught myself and I said, Sajel, stop. You don't know, really know what's going on in that situation. And I didn't say anything about it. I didn't react. It turned out that she was really friendly and nice. But I would have written her off from that immediate two-second interaction if I didn't know that this is how we react due to our unconscious biases or beliefs, right? Yeah, absolutely. No, you bring up a really good point. And it, I want to like transition into, into the next question as to, you know, what are some principles of social justice so people can really understand why they're? Uh, from the research that I've been doing, that it, articles have been saying that there are four interrelated principles of social justice. And you mentioned one of it, equity. Right. Another thing is access, participation and rights. You mentioned about rights as well. And rights is such a trending topic right now, like especially with voting, voting rights. Right. Yeah. And people don't see it from a very wider, larger lens. People just see social justice as legal system. And that's it. It's not my business. But when we talk about equity mm -hmm. and access and resources, how can that look like, especially from from being an employment lawyer? Well, I mean, it's it's everywhere. Again, it, it comes back to these systems were, they, when these systems were created. So if we just talk about the workplace for a second, right? Mm -hmm. when, when these policies and these procedures were developed, right? They were written without all of the voices at that table. So typically speaking, these were written not without taking into concern who might need that it didn't start off as a level playing field. And that was the problem. So you're expecting people to get access to services, to resources, to promotions, to moving up within the chain of command in an environment where not everybody's starting at the same point. Right. And so when you think about like, here's an example. I was just thinking about like something that I can tell you that I haven't said on any other show. So they'd be something different. Right. Mm -hmm. think about retaliation cases. Right. For example, Three out of four people don't report when they're being harassed at work, okay? So that means if somebody's being harassed in the work environment, let's say I'm at work, and let's say somebody's harassing me because of whatever, my religion, okay? And so they're harassing me. Now, the statistics are clear, and this is backed up. I'm not making up these statistics. Three out of four people do not report because they fear some kind of retaliation mm -hmm. happening in the workplace. But if you think about it, to get somebody of color, of, of a marginal, a vulnerable population up into higher chains of command, that's hard enough for that person to get there. Now, if that person is, is going to be harassed, they're less likely to report something going on. Mm -hmm. that shows you that when you're already starting at a different playing field, field and you have to work so hard, you're going to put up with harassment. You're going to put up with discrimination. You're going to put up with bullying more. Mm -hmm. Because of that, you're going to have less access to equity, the resources, the support, because people are not going to give that to you because you're not speaking up. You're just putting up with these bad behaviors that are happening. Right. 
right? So it's, it's everywhere within the system. And so the only way it can work is if we start to dismantle that system and start taking a look at the systemic issues. And this is why I decided to, to not to not litigate and to train because I was seeing how companies were handling complaints that were being filed by their employees, mm-hmm. how they were not doing it correctly, right? They right. were band-aids on things rather than addressing the root cause of the problem, right? <laughs> I love that you mentioned, you know, people put band-aid on things, right? It's And you mentioned another important point as to how does marginalized communities when they are oppressed, you know, it's harder for them to go up. They just do not report it. They just walk away. And when you walk away, I feel that it's enabling the behavior that's right of of the oppressor yet but i know some people don't want to hear this but but and everyone will immediately throw oh there's two sides of the story yes there's always two sides of the story three sides of the story four sides however many sides that is right to your point of systemic issues if this is happening more and more and when colored people are being oppressed and are voicing out not just colored people minorities mm-hmm. too right are being oppressed and and fear is being instilled into them not to speak up that eliminates the whole basis of equity that's right and access and access is just not um you know access to education or access to work but when you eliminate someone's voice, that person might lose their job, might walk away from their job, losing that paycheck, right? That bleeds into an economic problem. And people don't see that. I want to hear your thoughts on this. They don't. And and here's the thing. And, and, and I hear this all the time, you know, when I do my trainings is, you know, it's this idea of, well, I am tolerant of differences. I'm tolerant of different perspectives, right? And and my thing is, we can't be tolerant. Like, let me say that again. Like, I cannot stress this enough. We can't just expect this problem to solve itself by being tolerant. That does not work. What we need to do is be understanding. There's a huge difference. We have to move people from just being tolerant to understanding that we are going to go beyond just being tolerant. We want to understand each other's differences. I want to hear your perspective. I'm open and willing. So that's the essential agreement because if we don't get that kind of commitment from everybody, these issues like we're seeing in the news right now, they're going to continue. So we have to challenge our own biases. We have to be open to having a dialogue. People get into debates. I mean, it's happening everywhere. I was just telling you about what uh, you know what we talked about before we got on the show is people within the same race or within the same religion are starting to attack each other. Right. It's not COVID that's going to kill people. I really think it's people that's killing people. I mean, I do. It's like, come on, you know. And yeah, people have been killing people for yeah. years for eons. You know, you mentioned a very, very important point about tolerance, right? And this is something that I have always like touched on, and a lot of my friends disagree with me. But tolerance, I feel that tolerance. It's about when you create this narrative uh, as to like, my tolerance level is 80%. If you go above it, I'm going to best out. I'm going to yell at you. Mm-hmm. you know, it's like being tolerant to it, someone's religion, being tolerant to it, someone's behavior. Yeah. And you uh, highlight a really, really great point. It's not about tolerance. It's about really embracing, right? It's like, 
when I hear someone being say, oh, I'm taught them to a, a, a certain race, mm -hmm. I only go to certain events with five of them. Like, yeah. what? why are you saying that narrative, yeah. right? What is challenging you? Why is it challenging you? Yeah, and, it, and there's going to be discomfort, and that's the reality, right? It's okay to have discomfort. I think people, when they start feeling discomfort, they don't know how to navigate or cope with that discomfort. So they get uncomfortable and then they don't want to, they shut down or they withdraw from the conversation. But the essential agreement is that you at least get to the point where you are open to learning about the perspective, have an understanding, commit. And then here's the last piece of it. I think this is the piece that gets lost is then, and this is what I really focus my trainings around is then to conduct yourself in a respectful and appropriate manner, especially when there's disagreement. That's the hard part. Yeah, that's the hard part. That's the that's the commitment you have to make. And so my focus is civility. That's why I call myself the chief civility officer, because when I started getting into training and I looked at diversity and inclusion, that's really where my heart is. I want I am an advocate for diversity and inclusion. So that's kind of the direction I still go in and, and I'm always have an affinity towards that. But when I started going and attending all these diversity and inclusion trainings, one thing really stuck out to me because I've looked at organizations, you know, and I just said this to someone on the phone yesterday is like there are companies that are spending a lot of money on their diversity and inclusion efforts. So why are they still getting sued? Why are they still having harassment and discrimination complaints if they're spending all this money and they have good intentions and they really diversity and inclusion is a core value? Here's why I think it is. It's because they're spending a lot of money on focusing on identity diversity and not cognitive diversity, right? Mm -hmm. So the way we look, the color of our, the, the characteristics that we're born with, right? That we, that are part of our lived experiences. So they're spending money on that. But what about this cognitive diversity, the way we think, the way we communicate, the differences in our personality, how we handle conflict, that's where they're not spending the money or need to spend more money to deal with those people to people interactions. And that's why civility, I think, is the key. I love that you mentioned identity versus cognitive diversity, right? This is a key component that plays in social justice. And whatever happens at home, happens in society, happens at work, happens everywhere. That's how culture is. That's how the whole concept of culture is. I love that you mentioned this. Like a lot of people get challenged in workplaces even in online even on online like on twitter as well i don't know if a lot of people have heard this recent story about amy is it amy cooper yeah <laughs> oh my God. i have nightmares about that I, I could not stop between that and the other video i'm not even going to get into i couldn't even watch it i was just like what are we doing <laughs> and and it's it's like i watched that video and then it's like okay what happened i was like trying to think about all the scenario like how can how can i humanize this situation how can i really show empathy for both people and then i realized i rewatched the video like five times five times and then i thought i finally i was like you know what does she does he was speaking from a very calm collective he was saying please he was not threatening her and and she got so worked up because she was challenged she was challenged by someone whom she's not been challenged by. Mm -hmm. So that made me rethink deeper as to 
how she is at her workplace, how she is in her neighborhood. Yeah, it's just what her. It's very similar people to her. But who are the other Amy Coopers out there who respond in this way, <clears throat> where something is challenged? And that impacts diversity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she was VP. So she's high up in the ranks. And this is the thing, that type of behavior happens is, happens more when you get higher up in the chain of command, right? We know that. And and they're the ones that hold access to the resources and right. the, all of the things that impact social justice, right? And so when we get higher up in the chain of command, and this is how somebody asked this question on LinkedIn, and I, I'm going to respond to it later on today, is mm -hmm. that how did she get to be VP? How did Amy get to be VP? And I go, there are millions of Amy. There's thousands and thousands of Amy's. Are you kidding me? It happens and it happens everywhere. I've dealt with so many Amy's and whatever else you want to call them. Mm -hmm. but, but the thing is what happens is here's what we got to keep in mind. It gets normalized, that behavior. It's not the first time she's done this. Okay, this is not the first time she has shown her privilege and acted out. I mean, she did it in front of a camera. The guy said he was recording her and she had no problem going on with her act, calling the police and falsely accusing this man of threatening her. Mm -hmm. That's that's when it's, you know, that she's done. You don't just get up one day and do that. Like you've done this in your life repeatedly and it's become normal at mm -hmm. her organization. She's probably lashed out at people. There's probably even a complaint or two about her, but the company has had her back like lots of organizations do because they normalize that behavior. Right. You know, and they say it's okay. And so it's gotta be about, no, we, we are not gonna normalize that behavior. We are gonna make civility a core value of our organization. Meaning, I don't care where you're from. I don't care what the color of your skin is. I don't care which, whatever you believe in. But here's the deal. When you walk into the door of this workplace or education or wherever, you have to be civil, treat each other with mutual respect and dignity, no matter what, even if there's conflict, okay? And then you gotta have that be a core value civility you got to put a resources behind it you got to put training behind it it's got to be part of a holistic solution mm -hmm. to fix your culture that's the yeah. only way it works i love it oh, I, love passionate. It. <laughs> I love it it's like you're speaking my language man <laughs> it should be everybody's language let's make that happen <laughs> i remember like a few few months ago i was i, I traveled to Southeast Asia and I was speaking and, and then I got so passionate. And then when I, I'm passionate, I'm a speak, I speak with my body, with my hands and everything, you know? And then I do like weird dances and I was speaking and then I, and then, and then I was like, culture is a holistic system. It needs to be integrated. Diversity is does not belong in the basement. And I was doing all the gestures and then the audience started laughing. And then I was like, Okay, I know I dance with my body. Like, <laughs> nice. Well, I haven't gone that far, but I do use my hands a lot. And somebody <laughs> came up to me after a training the other day and they said, do you know who you look like? And I'm like, no, who? And they said, Lucille Ball. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> They're like, you have facial features and the way your eyes are like, you I'm like, wow, no one's ever told me that before. <laughs> All right, cool. And then now I look at myself and I'm like, maybe I do. I don't know. <laughs> no, I, I love passion. I love passion. Where does passion come solutions, right? Mm -hmm. But I I love what you just mentioned as well. People who are higher on the chain of command, who hold access to resources, right? Resources, opportunities. Mm -hmm. And and when 
opportunities can look like promotions, uh, education, right to vote, anything. And yeah. when we have the wrong people in these positions, yeah. it results in social justice being eliminated. Okay. Right. So my next question is: How can we ensure? How can we truly ensure? It, not just organizations, yeah. right? Even in school systems, I've had professors who have mistreated students, who have mistreated fellow mm-hmm. colleagues. I've sat on boards where I've treated, I've seen this kind of behavior. So how can we truly shift that, not shift, but enable, enable a space and really ensure that people who hold a higher chain of command, who hold access to other people, do not this kind of behavior how and there's nothing wrong from being a, a people manager or, or c-suite to becoming an individual contributor there's yeah. nothing wrong with that i want to hear your thoughts on this yeah i mean i i think it's a systemic thing right so so one piece of it is the system so wherever you are you got to start looking at i mean look at this police brutality stuff that's going on right now like that is a systemic issue that is everywhere that needs to be addressed it seems overwhelming right when you think about it it's when i when i make it sound so easy people are like it's not that simple I, i'm not me i'm not saying it's easy it's difficult but that's what needs to happen but here's the other thing okay so people don't get to that point unless it's gone on for a while so i call it the progression of behavior. So if somebody says something to you, right? If I just, if I didn't know you and you said something to me and that was something like rude and I didn't like it, maybe you were trying to be funny even. So you didn't have bad intention, but it bothered me. I need to be empowered to speak up about that and do it in the right way, right? It's gotta be done respectfully, calmly, but to be able to say, you know what, Myla, you know, maybe you didn't mean that, but that's kind of crossing some boundaries for me. It's making me feel uncomfortable to be able to speak up about these things, because if I don't speak up, then Myla's going to keep making that comment. She's going to keep engaging in that behavior without knowing it. Right. Until it's going to get to the point where now it's going to impact me coming to work or me coming to school or me showing up. Right. So we want to get people on board with speaking up. So Everybody needs to be on that boat together to get to get comfortable to have their voice, right? Because if they don't, then it's going to become dismissive or abusive or bullying behaviors, and then it's a quick jump to illegal behavior. Right, right. No, I I, I love that. You know, having a voice, voice out, and voice out even when it pertains to paychecks or inequity, right? And a lot of people are so shy, are so shy to to have their voices being heard. And when we go back to the point and pillars of what is social justice, mm-hmm. you know, we spoke about uh, distribution of uh, uh, access, access also to wealth, and that also pertains to distribution of wealth, right? Distribution of wealth is just to know about being capitalistic, you know, everyone for themselves, you know, make America great again, go create your American dream. Yeah. But when you are when you have a job and you don't have opportunities to either climb up the ladder, and I hate the term ladder. I want to uh, hierarchy. I want to break the ladder, like just, yeah, I know. chain of command. I don't know. Yeah, like how about progression? Just progression. You yeah. Know, why? Why do we limit? when there's limitation of distribution of wealth in society at workplaces, wherever, right? Even business owners, business owners in the USA, it depends. I I was watching a documentary 
um, what's that show called? Pa Patriot Act by Hassan Minaj. Mm -hmm. And he was interviewing different weed business owners. And this business, two business owners, uh, they are African-American men, and they were sharing even to get a license, they had to jump so many different mm -hmm. hoops to get a license. Yeah. So when we talk about distribution of wealth, it just does not happen at the workplace, right? right. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, there's plenty of statistics to back that up. And that's why I think it's important that when you are when you are a vulnerable, you know, when you are a marginalized person and you do get a seat at the table, that you make space for other people. Give, you know, be a be an ally. So there's more than just being a mentor. Okay. I think we need to go past that point because a lot of people will sit there and give you advice and be a mentor. We need to go past that. And I, I say this to anybody out there that can help other people get to that table, create space for other voices, right? So be a sponsor, actively bring that person to the table, be someone that is going to amplify people's voices, like encourage people. Like I, you know, I always tell people like you, you say that you want to help. How can you help? Here's how you can help. It doesn't make space for people. It's not threatening. There's this view that people have that is going to take away a piece of my pie. That's not going to happen. Nobody's taking anything away from you, right? It's just distributing it fairly for people that may not be able to get there. That's what you can do, right? So stop being a mentor. Be more than that. Oh, my God. I love you. If I can hug you and, and, and kiss you like on the cheeks. Like virtual hugs, virtual hugs. <laughs> I, I love your mind and your heart. Yes. Oh, my God. You're speaking my language so much. It's like... I, I truly believe in being a sponsor and not being a mentor, right? It, it's like ha I've had so many mentors in my life and I have never learned. I should not say I've never learned. I've only learned like one person from my mentors. Mm -hmm. And it's those sponsors are the ones who have truly lifted me up to go above and beyond and, and push my limit. And you're so right. Mentors are so quick to giving advice, sitting from a space of, oh, you go do it. Because you, they don't understand you. And some mentors I've experienced in my corporate 10 years too, they gatekeep opportunities from you. So, That's right, yeah. It's, and, it happens. It happens. You know that. It happens to everybody. I mean, I've had so many people want to mentor me, give me advice. And I'm like, but what are you doing to help me get to the decision maker? Bring me to the table. You know, it's like I joke around about this on, I, on LinkedIn. You know, I, I, I say this a lot. I've probably gotten more people work than myself. Because I feel like if I can get this person an opportunity to have this conversation, let me introduce them. At the end of the day, it's going to be that person that has to sell themselves or offer what they offer, right? But give them an opportunity, get them there. And that's part of it is when we don't have that opportunity, we fight super hard. And then when we're finally there and then we're having to deal with injustice, we sit there and we put up with it or we take it or we walk away from it and we don't stand up for ourselves. And that's the other thing is we need to speak up. We need to speak up when when there is injustice that's done. We need to speak up about that. Right. I mean, you saw that this this thing happened with me in LinkedIn and I'll just quickly end with that, you know, and I felt that I was wronged and I really thought hard my I mean, this really impacted me. It hit me to the core. It was something that I had worked really hard for. Mm -hmm. And they falsely accused me of using automation software, which I never did. Mm -hmm. And then they banned me for over a month off of LinkedIn for something I never did. Mm -hmm. To this day, they haven't compensated me. They haven't done anything. It's I put me back on LinkedIn to rectify the situation. And But I spoke up about it and I fought my way back and mm -hmm. I'm back on there. But 
most people, they would have walked away from it. Right. And I was like, no, man, I have worked for two years building my business. There's no okay. way you're going to take this from me. I'm going to fight. If you don't okay. give it to me, I'll fight even harder. But I'm not going to. We need to speak up. This is the thing. Just because we're marginalized or just because there's injustice that's going on, it doesn't mean. But again, it's got to be done appropriately. It's got to be done in the right manner. Firing right. back, using, you know, putting people down and, and engaging in those behaviors that we're saying we don't want other people to engage in is not the way to do it. Right. Right. Now, I, I love what you just said. Uh that's why I started my live shows. That's why I started my podcast because it's like I got so bloody tired of getting rejected and hearing the narrative of you are not a great speaker, you're not a confident speaker, you're not what we're looking for. And that creates a very dominant monolingual culture, right? If 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 you're truly advocating for diversity, well, what does diversity look like? Does diversity look like a very singular concept and picture of how a public speaker should look like, mm -hmm. sound like, and what confidence should look like? Yeah. I think that's BS because yeah, I agree. a software engineer can be a female, a soft-spoken female, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Speak confidently in a very different manner. Yeah. And yet get the message across and impact millions of people. That's right. It's a stereotype. It's all right. about stereotypes. And we, you know, again, it's it's normal that we do that. But again, when you start not giving access, not giving opportunity, not giving resources to people because of your stereotypes, now we have a problem. Yeah. You can put whatever you want up there, but when you start acting on it and now it's giving disadvantages to people, right? I mean, mm -hmm. It happens every. It happens everywhere, and it's not. And then here's the thing: some people think, "Well, I'm black, so it's happening to me. I'm transgender. It's ha it happens to everybody." And that's why I keep saying we all have to be a part of this effort to right. do justice because it. You know, look, Me Too movement. What do we? Everything was about sexual harassment. You know, then we have the whole LGBTQ community fighting for their rights. I mean, everybody's got. We fought along, and we made some progress. So I'm not being. I'm not being Debbie Downer. We've made a lot of process on, on everything that we've done. Right, mm -hmm. but we've got a long way to go. Yeah, I love what you just mentioned about everyone is fighting for their rights, and that falls under social justice, even if that right looks like gender equity, paycheck equity right? Marriage equity, same-sex marriage yeah. equity, whatever it looks like, everyone is fighting for yeah. their own rights. And that falls under social justice. And I want to relate this with everyone listening out there is your rights, right? When you're advocating and fighting for your rights, why not become a sponsor for each other? To yeah. your point, right? It's we are seeing a lot of communities coming together, like creating partnership with the Asian community, with the black community, with the brown community, with the black community. And we need to start creating partnerships That's where right. we sponsor each other. I don't want to like say uh, allyship because like allyship can look different as well. Like I've had too many allies in like in my corporate career where allies look like, okay, I, I will support you if you support me. Yeah, yeah, that's not, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that, not, you know, you know, I, I think, I think we can do what we can control. Right. And so for example, I'm putting on a workshop on July, on June 10th, 12th, sorry, on um, 50 shades of Brown about mm -hmm. 
you know, anti-blackness in South Asian communities, because I understand that issue. I've gone through it growing up. I know that's an area that people are going to find what I'm saying credible, know that I'm speaking from experience and here to make a difference and open the eyes of the South Asian community to say, look, this doesn't mean you're bad people. This is the narrative we heard growing up that we heard mm-hmm. about this. So if you're not aware of it, you might be in these higher level positions and you might not give somebody the resources or the promotion without even being aware of it. Mm-hmm. So let's start the conversation. So I'm starting to, I'm trying to start a conversation. Do I have all the answers? No. Do I know what's a one size fits all for everybody? There isn't one. That's why I think we have to keep in mind when we talk about social justice, it's human justice. Right. It doesn't matter. It's all about humanity. And and so it doesn't matter who you're seeking the justice for. It's all about the fact that we're human and we want to, you know, we want to be able to navigate these spaces. And the only right. way we can do that, Myla, the only way is if we understand each other. Right. I don't know if I don't have a black person explaining to me what they go through. I mean, now I can see it on LinkedIn, on videos. I can watch 10 different videos that have happened in the last two months. I can see what they go through and I can I can not understand it. I'm still not in their shoes, but I can do what I can to help that community. So I'm choosing to do it in this workshop, right? I can't, I mean, I wish I can go and do a lot more. I can only do what I can control. But if everybody does that, and that's the point, if you do what you're doing, which is so amazing, and thank you so much for having me on your show and allowing me to share my voice, Myla, keep up the great work because you're allowing us to talk about these very important issues. So in whatever way we can, if we all do that and we all commit to doing that, it can work. It can absolutely work. And I truly believe that. And I think that's the only way it can work is if we all get on that boat together and commit that. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what your color is, but we're going to commit to doing what we can to make this better for all of us. It's a short life, man. I right. mean, it's on tomorrow. Why, why waste it? You're, that's so true. That's so true. My parents would always tell me, are you sure that you're going to wake up tomorrow and be alive? Or are you are you positive? Yeah. Do you know that you're going to be alive in ten at this time? We we don't. We don't know that. There's a comment from one of our viewers from Twitter: "Human beings being human." Yeah. I I love that. Yeah. And as you know, when we explore culture and rethink culture, we exploit from a three pronged perspective. Whatever happens at home happens in our society, yeah. schools, and workplaces. And we do not end the show without solutions. Solutions in the form of actions. Right. So what kind of small progressions can we as a society take to really pr- promote social justice that promotes equity and diversity, Satchel? Look, my one tip, OK, to everybody that's listening to this um, is don't be a bystander. Do not be a bystander. Like, look, that it, nothing else. If you can't do anything else, that's the one thing I ask for the commitment is is don't be a bystander. I'm not saying that you get involved and you put yourself in harm's way. No, I am not saying that. And I don't want anybody to get off or stop listening to me thinking I should stand up to that bully or I should stand up to that police officer. That is not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't be a bystander, meaning do something about it. What that something is depends on the situation, the context. That could be a phone call. That could be reporting it. That could be writing a letter. That could be spreading a video. That could be raising awareness. Whatever that is, do something about it. Don't just let it slide thinking it's not my business. It's not my problem because it is everyone's business. When somebody is suffering from injustice, it is all of our business. Trust me when I tell you that because it's going to come back and it's going to 
is going to impact us in bigger ways later if we don't speak up about it right now. And Milo's like, we need to get together for a glass of wine. (laughs) I I absolutely love it because this is something that I advocate for. It becomes our social responsibility. That's right. Our responsibility to ensure that each of us are looked after, right? Like, like yes, we all have different melanin or lack melanin, right? But we all have a beating heart. We yeah. all breathe in oxygen. It's not like you breathe in helium and survive. No, like you all breathe, have a beating heart. We all have blood. Even though we all look different, sound different, think differently, we all want to be loved. That's and right. love looks same, the same. It's it. So I, I love that you came on rethink culture sexual thank you for coming on board and sharing with us what social justice looks like how social justice is an integral part of our lives that could be at home in society in the education system work in our political system and it becomes a social responsibility of all of us to speak out voice out and lift each other up thank you for being here thank you so much thank you Folks, don't forget to subscribe on Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Well, LinkedIn has not approved my like yet. They will soon. So uh, <laughs> the handle is Mila Dishon, and then give it a like, subscribe, and of course, click on the bell so you will get notified when our next show comes out. So toodles, everyone. Have a fantastic Wednesday. Thank you. Bye.